And welcome into another episode of American Ag Today, produced by the American Ag Network. I'm your host, Jesse Allen. And joining us now here on the program, we have Kurt Covington. He's the Senior Director of Partner Relations at Ag America. Kurt, great to have you on the show with us today. How are you, sir? Good, Jess. Thanks for inviting me. Well, I appreciate the time. Let's dive right in. We're talking farmland and we're talking ownership of farmland, whether that be by an older generation, younger generation, forward ownership. You know, we have the interest rate issues uh, here in front of us as well. There is a lot that is kind of going on behind the scenes of, of farmland transactions right now in the U.S., isn't there, Kurt? There really is. And, you know, the challenge with all this is um, <clears throat> if you go back just say through the last decade, the challenge always was, well, what's driving land values to continue to increase in some areas of the country, 6% a year, other areas, 10% a year, what's driving that? There's the one group that says, well, really good commodity prices tend to drive land prices. And the other group that says really low interest rates making makes buying land a pretty cheap investment. And I would say, we're experiencing today a little bit of both. Although I would say if you had to weigh this out and say which one is really has been historically the driver for increasing land values has been historically low interest rates. I would agree with that. And as we look at the Fed and examine their interest rate hikes, we continue to see them inflation running rampant. In your thoughts, uh, how is this going to affect agricultural lending and and farmland values and more moving forward, Kurt? So whether it's the local farmer, whether it's an investor in that land, uh, interest rates uh, drive and make the decisions. Uh, the, the Fed is talking about a three-quarter percent rate hike. Uh, we're already seeing a slowdown in, in uh, acquisition financing of real estate. We're also actually seeing a decline in the refinance activity of many of our farmers. Uh, and that's just with a 50 basis point rate hike. Uh, there are two things driving this. One, if rates go up another three quarters of a basis point, I think it does put a damper on the growth uh, in land acquisitions and probably will start to dampen the price of some of these transactions across the U.S. There's another piece to this, Jess, as well, that we really aren't talking about. It's the confluence of rising rates and input inflation, right? Farmers today are paying on average. And again, I do business across the United States. Some people tell me my input costs are up 40 percent and I bought early, right? The I bought early. Some people are telling me, oh, it's, that's not even close out here in California, my labor costs are up 25% on a, if I can find it, plus my input costs are up, it's it's closer to 50, 50% increase. So the combination I think are, are, are scaring off buyers and are also scaring off refinances. I would agree with that. And you throw on top of that, this is not an issue that's only affecting established farmers and ranchers, but think about younger farmers that want to try to get, you know, build up more of their operation. They want to buy more farmland, millennials, et cetera. It's making it really tough for them to get started in agriculture right now, Kurt. There's and there's really not a great solution to this. You know, the United States government has attempted to do this, uh, you know, through some of their small beginning and young, young farmer programs. The reality of the matter is 
unless you're willing to provide more than 100%, in some cases, financing of, of that acquisition, most young beginning and small farmers don't have the necessary capital. Uh, and even, even if it's a 10% down transaction, they don't have that kind of cash to come up with. Now, there are some innovative things that Ag America is doing, which is um, we refer to it as one of our launch products, which is helping uh, young and beginning small farmers put a small down payment on lease that we'll buy the property. You lease it from us with a promise to buy that property at the end of the lease transaction, five, six, seven years down the road. Um, but again, you know, I think a lot of uh, young people today look at this and say, as much as I'd like to be in this business or as much as I would like to grow my footprint in this business, these input costs are killing me. Yeah, uh, very, very true. I hear that as well from, from farmers and ranchers across the country on a day-to-day -day basis, Kurt. And as well, you know, we see that younger farmers maybe don't have the ability to or don't know that they there are ways that they can get into buying more farmland, et cetera. It feels like that's opening things up for more foreign investment. And I know this is an issue we've been hearing a lot about this, hearing about a Chinese company buying land near Grand Forks, North Dakota, for example, or et cetera, et cetera, talk in Congress about barring certain countries from buying U.S. agricultural land. As you look at that side of the issue, Kurt, what are your thoughts there? What stands out to you uh, with this foreign investment issue we're talking about? You know, I think the foreign investment issue <clears throat> always comes to the forefront when you get into these positions, because most foreign investors don't look at that investment like you and I would look at that investment that says, if I go borrow the money at some rate, I've got to get some kind of return off that crop or off that dairy or off that feedlot that pays for my cost of doing business, which is my interest cost plus my input cost. A lot of these foreign buyers don't look at it that way. They look at it simply as an opportunity to buy a high quality hard asset that is a hedge against inflation. And in some cases, you know, could potentially provide them a source of input costs or excuse me, uh, you know, grain source places they can source their grain or other uh, products to to export back to their country. The other the, the other group that you see in in this also is the private equity groups, right? And the private equity groups typically tend to look at the graying of rural America, the term that's used, the graying of rural America and see, you know, farmers that are my age and I'm still farming out in California, but you know, you know, 60 and 70 year olds who have maybe no kids in the business that wanna take this business over, they really don't have a desire necessarily to lease that ground out and become a landlord. And so the private equity comes in and offers them a nice kind of parachute for that. Again, you know, they've been really aggressive, but we also see they look at this and say, well, wait a minute, timeout costs. You know, my cost of doing business is going up just like any farmer's cost of business is. So the private equity component of this, I think, is probably going to slow down a bit as well. Well, a lot of things to consider and folks can learn more agamerica.com. Reach out to you, you folks there and your team and, and talk with you guys and more. And Kurt, we appreciate the time. Thank you so much for joining us here today on the show. And uh, it's a topic we'll be watching closely. We'll look forward to talking more again soon. Great. Thanks, Jess.
This has been American Ag Today, produced by the American Ag Network. I'm Jesse Allen, wishing you a great rest of your day.